0: Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground.
1: Yeah, well, we were sitting there thinking, okay, is Bill lost? And uh, they had a spot for me next to
2: him. my wife gets nervous when I don't show up.
1: You know, here we are down at Ebenezer Baptist Church. We have Reverend Senior Pastor Warnock, and now a lot of people know who, him now as a senator. But it's like, where's Bill? Where's Bill? Where's Bill? And we look up, and what do we see?
2: They see me marching in with all the <laughs> Boy Scouts.
0: There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with
2: racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against.
1: There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get
0: together
2: because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in.
0: Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to
1: race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't
2: always understand A
1: part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question. Not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for bringing Odell and I together for this time. Uh, Thank you for the blessings you've given us this past week. We ask for blessings on our family. Thank you for the common ground you've brought us into. Thank you for all the trips you've put us together on and and the experiences that you've brought us together.
1: God, just thank you as we move forward. Many of us are leaders, God. We make decisions that affect so many people. God, continue to make sure that our decision-making is not just about us, but it's about your people, God, because we know that you've put us in position of leadership and you can remove us from a position of leadership. God, I continue to pray for my friend and his family, just thanking you. For all the different journeys, when we went to, you know, down in Alabama and we saw some of the things there and all the tears that came and all the self-reflection that came, we went on the trip as friends. We experienced a lot of different things that made us question human behavior, question human motive, but we came back as friends. So, God, we thank you for that bond of friendship. But we all know that it's no friend like Jesus. So we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. How you doing? Doing good. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about when we went uh back in, I think it was February of 2020 to the Greensboro Civil Rights Journey. We we're always going someplace. We went down to Alabama, um, Georgia, Atlanta, you know, Montgomery, Selma, Birmingham. You know, it was just the whole idea. And you're going with about 30 or 40 people, and some of them are Christian, some of them are Jewish, some's black, some's white, some non-believers. Just a little bit of everybody, and you walking down there together and hearing the stories of what happened. And how it happened and it's just moving and sometimes it's moving in a direction that you are frustrated as a black person, frustrated on some of the stuff that happened to my ancestors and family because remember now, the civil rights journey wasn't that far along. I was born in 1960 and at the time I still remember some of the stuff, the segregation everything else.
2: That was uh, something very new to me. I grew up in Ohio and you know all that stuff was going on in the south so it was kind of like foreign. So this gave me an opportunity to go down and see some places like I don't know if you remember the story when we went to Ebenezer Church Ebenezer
1: King's Church yeah Ebenezer Baptist Church holy ground holy ground
2: Yep and and we went to the Sunday service they invited us to Sunday service remember we I got there and uh, we walked around and Dory, my wife, pointed out, she said, hey, I'm a big Boy Scout, volunteer with the Boy Scouts. She said, uh, hey, look, it, there's a bunch of Boy Scouts in uniform over there. So I thought, well, maybe they're over there selling popcorn. So I went to go find them and they were gone. And uh, as we got ready to do the start the service, <laughs> uh, th- when you see a service at Ebenezer Church, it, the entrance is like a mardi gras parade there's bongo drums and there's people dressed up and it's really really emotional well it was scout sunday and that means the scouts get dressed up and march in with the group so i went up and found the <laughs> found the scouts and started talking to leaders turn out i knew some of their folks in atlanta and vice versa and while we're sitting there they said hey bill why don't you march in with us and i said wow that would be a great honor to go in martin luther king was a boy scout and his dad was a Scoutmaster. and so i thought well oh, that'd be great at that point they uh you and uh Joshua ben and my wife were seated. Yeah, well, we were sitting there thinking, okay, is
1: Bill lost?
2: And uh, they had a spot for me next to him. My wife gets nervous when I don't show up.
1: You know, here we are down at Ebenezer Baptist Church. We have Reverend Senior Pastor Warnock. And now a lot of people know who him now as a senator. But it's like, where's Bill? Where's Bill? Where's Bill? And we look up and what do we see?
2: They see me marching in with all the <laughs> Boy Scouts. And Joshua <laughs> tells my wife, he says, look at the screen. There he is right there. And she goes, oh. Oh my gosh, how did he do that? <laughs> I've got to be with my people. <laughs> well, Bill, you never meet a stranger. We go, we go all over and
1: you never meet a stranger. And it's like, what are you doing? We're all down here trying to get acclimated. We're going to be together for three or four days. We're talking about civil rights. We're talking about race. We're talking about all this. And you got this big old smile on your face saying, hey, I'm in church. I don't care if it's a black church or white church. I'm in church. And this is the house of God. So I'm in Amen. here with my people. So you're absolutely right, my brother.
2: You know, I'll I'll go to an event and I'll just sit down. And it turns out the person I'm sitting next to is someone like an Odell Cleveland that has a common ground with me. And we just start talking. I've met more interesting people just by God, just bringing them in. Uh, One of them was uh, General Robert E. Lee. He was the head of the Normandy invasion air support. Wow. And he used to eat with Churchill twice a month.
1: So when I heard Robert E. Lee, I'm like, Robert E. Lee? Yeah, no, no, not that one. You know, Robert E. Lee? Yeah. Okay. I
2: think it's Robert E. Taylor. That's it. Robert E. Taylor. We asked him questions about Churchill, and he had unbelievable stories. Wow. Churchill saved more airmen than you know. And he said, how did that happen? He says, well, one night we're having dinner with Churchill, and he was drinking too much (laughs) and smoking cigars. And he says, Yanks, what could I do to help you? Uh And they said, well, we are sending our planes over. And when they come back, the fog has set in and they have to circle around the English channel. They run out of fuel. So we lose the plane. Sometimes we lose the pilots, but we usually can get the pilots. That's our biggest problem. And he says, I'll see what we can do. He says, about two days later, a bunch of British engineers come over and said, the prime minister sent us over to fix your problem. Mm. And the guy's going to try to remember what problem are they talking about? So they said, yeah, go ahead and fix our problem. So he- they come back after two days and they said, we can fix your problem. He says, so well, I got to ask you, he says, what was my problem? And he said, he explained to him, he says, oh yeah, I remember. He said, what are you going to do he says well we have a lot of natural gas mm. so we're gonna pipe it all around the airfield put holes in it and when the fog comes in you light that and it will lift the fog plus it will mark the airfield wow they never lost another plane
1: wow when we went down to the southern poverty law center and to the rosa parks museum and just going there and rosa parks you know took a seat so i could sit down um, mm. other people who you know the a&T students who sat down at the lunch counter so I could sit down. I mean, Bill, as much as I like to eat, did I tell you that Odell need to lose a pound or two? <laughs> did I tell you that? You know, I might I might have mentioned that before, but you and I have sat there and broke bread together. What would happen? What would God say if, since I'm black and you're white, we couldn't sit down together, say grace and have a meal together and talk about the goodness of Jesus because you, a black guy couldn't be in there sitting down? What yeah. would God say about
2: that? Oh you know, he made us both made us both. You got a heart. I got a heart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How do we look beyond that? Because some people may have thought at the time that that was the right and just thing to do, that a black person couldn't sit at that lunch counter or a black person need to go to the back of the bus or a black person needed to, to eat to the side. But one thing about it, though, even though folks didn't allow black people to sit down and everything else, many people took black people's green dollars
2: you know i learned so much like the green book i didn't know that existed i've heard of the underground railroad in greensboro we have the underground railroad tree and there's a unbelievable we went and visited that the lynching museum we went to Four thousand lynchings and the last one that was in greensboro was in guilford county Fella who was lynched was eugene hairston and i pulled the article from august 25th 1887 wow and it said 50 masked men mounted on horses and mules entered the city by way of hindpoint went to the jailer jailer wouldn't let him in they broke into the jail the young man I understand had uh, mental issues he was he's handicapped mm-hmm. and he was accused of doing something with a woman I don't think it was anything bad he just made an approach to her uh-huh. and she went and made a claim that he approached her and you weren't supposed to approach white uh-huh. women And these people came after. It says here they took him out of the jail in Greensboro and took him to Jackson Street, which is still down by UNCG. And they took him down there, and the reason they took him down there, it was a black community. Mm. They wanted to hang him in his own community to give Uh everybody a lesson. Right. And so it says he was given a few minutes to pray, which he did. The following morning, they found his body riddled with bullets hanging from a tree.
1: So it's interesting the good folks gave him an opportunity to pray before you go and meet your maker. And I hope in his prayer that he prayed for them also, because one of the things that Jesus did and mm. Jesus prayed, he said, forgive them. Amen. We don't have to yell at each other or scream at each other or say, Bill, all white people, you say, Odell, all black people. We are beyond that as Christian brothers. And this example, what we want other people to say, we can get beyond that. We could have decent, uh, spiritual, mature conversations if we keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. And, you know, when you start go to Southern Southern Poverty Law Center or even the Equal Justice Initiative Legacy Museum and Lynching, and people like— well, I don't want to hear about that, Odell. That's gone. I had nothing to do with that. I agree. They had nothing to do with it. However, it did happen, though. So help me with that, Bill, where people who don't look like me say, Odell, I don't have anything to do with it. I didn't own any slaves. I don't do this. I don't do that. And it's like, get upset when you even just talk about Would happen. As a black person, I think I have an obligation and a right to at least bring it up and talk to my friends about it, but I don't want to run friends off. But at the same time, some things are non negotiable. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not saying, Bill, you did this or you did that. I'm just saying, Bill, this is what happened.
2: And, you know, I think it's important to understand the history and to reflect on it. You know, we walked over and went to Selma and walked over the bridge.
1: Edmund Pettus Bridge.
2: Yeah. You absolutely that went. was that was just an experience. Going to those places and hearing the stories we heard about we one fellow talked to us that was actually there. Yeah. He's an older man now. And another fellow that worked with Martin Luther King in Birmingham in Montgomery. And so but to understand because I never understood all this, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so to be, experience it, to go on the trip, to be with a brother like yourself, uh, I, I can remember, we didn't talk much about it during the trip, but it was later on, after the trip, I started reflecting on it and talking about it. But Bill, a lot of
1: times, though, I've met a lot of white Christians who feel that, Odell, but you're trying to beat me over the head with it. Mm. You know, it happened, I get it, but don't try to beat me over the head with it, and no one's beating anyone's over the head. We're just saying... Jesus died on the cross, and that's the truth. And we're dealing with facts. Things happen. People got hung, like you stated earlier, and... For some of us, we have family members that across the cross that represents Jesus Christ was burnt in our yard by folks wearing not a choir robe, but a KKK robe. So we understand those oral histories in our family and understood that if someone said that we did the wrong thing, then we either ran out of town or in some cases we were killed. Mm. So with all that, it it makes a difference. And when you went down, another moving part was 16th Street Baptist Church. Mm. We talk about Sunday morning Sunday school. I think a lot of people can identify with Sunday morning, Sunday school. Christians, Barbie socks, patent leather shoes, little girls with little frills, dresses, and the bomb went off, and it killed those babies. How did you feel seeing the The glass, the broken glass, the bomb, the church is still there. And in spite of everything, they're still praising God in that church.
2: Yeah, that's the amazing thing. I read the story, and the people in the church noticed there was a group of men in the parking lot, and they had been observing the church, probably casing it out. And uh, they were the guys that bombed it. You know, it's kind of like what happened down in Charleston. Yeah. The people started forgiving. Yeah started praising God. When Obama went down there to visit, I think he was so emotionally moved over it, all he could do was start singing Amazing Grace.
1: I, you know, as a black person, just saying that, it just, I, just something just went right through me. Not a spirit of, or a feeling of anger, but a feeling of emotion. Because as a black person, I remember when President Obama was elected and then the an inaugural speech, and then he did the um, the parade thing and he got out of the car and I'm sitting there yelling yelling at the TV, get back in the car, they're going to kill you. (laughs) And it's like, who's the they? They're going to assassinate you. And literally I'm sitting there, please get back in the beast, get back in the car. And it's like, where did that come from? Is that something internal, God? Is that something inside of me? Work on me, God, help me, God, because I'm dealing with, please don't let them kill this black man in the middle of the street, shoot him down like a dog. And it's like, those are my true feelings. And it's like, who's the they, Odell? The they.
2: You know, I, I, I remember him getting out, and I was nervous, too. But I don't think I had the gut reaction that you had. The thing that struck me was when he talked about the house he lived in, the White House, mm-hmm. that was made by slaves. Uh-huh. You know, this trip that we went on was just... So rich from point to point to point. You know, when we drove from Selma to Montgomery, we drove on the road that they marched. But
1: I think what people don't understand, Bill, too, is that it's a lot of white people, a lot of Jewish people joined and helped. When Martin Luther King Jr. wrote his famous letter from Birmingham jail, you know, the civil rights laws could not have been passed without the help of white Christians, Jewish individuals and everybody else. So it's not beating someone over the head is like, what can we do when we try to do the right thing? And I'm just thankful for everybody, white, black, anybody else, who went out and said, no, this is not right. We're going to support the man of God. We're going to support God's word. We're going to support the Bible. And Martin Luther King Jr. were articulate enough to demonstrate and invite Christians, white, black, evangelicals, whomever, to come and help him. Because sometimes, Bill, you know, all you need to do is ask for help and pray and
2: say, God, send help. You know what the common denominator was during this whole civil rights thing? Prayer. Prayer. In the church. It was the thing that they stuck with. They stuck with all they did nonviolent demonstrations. And if you look at God honored that it was a fight. Don't get me wrong. It it was was a struggle. Didn't happen overnight. I I think the only way Martin Luther King and those people were able to maintain themselves was through God and prayer. So the, the fire hoses, because we were right there at the
1: square. We were at the square where
2: the fire hoses happened.
1: We were right there at the square where the, the German shepherds, the dogs, oh, were, yeah. peop, were biting people. And we talked to people who was there because, again, people was <clears throat> there. And we sat there as, a, as, a, as, 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 as individuals. And to your point, you want to kind of go off by yourself. When you went off by yourself, Bill, what did you experience?
2: It was, it was a very emotional time visiting the actual spot and walking on the ground where people had sacrificed. You know, I've been tear gassed. I've been shot at. In 1968, I went to the Democratic Convention as an 18-year-old high school kid. I wanted to go see downtown Chicago. First big trip. And, you know, I was curious. I was walking around checking everything. Well, they said, well, tonight we're having a free concert at the park. (laughs) Oh, free? It's got me.
1: Bill, you wasn't walking around looking up at the buildings and the skyscrapers say...
2: Wow. Ah, okay. How, how big is the big tallest city. building
1: from your your oh, hometown? Yeah.
2: Well, my town might have been five stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The train was up higher than that, <laughs> and uh, I had a few dollars in my pocket, so I'd get a hot dog and a soda. And so I stayed that night when they had a concert, free concert. Well, that was the night that they they were going to break us up, mm-hmm. and. Uh, So I remember it was about 10 o'clock at night. They told us, hey, you got to get out of the park. It's closing. So I'm trying to figure out how to get out of this park. And all of a sudden, huge lights came on, lit up the whole park. And I look, and there's nothing but a ring of blue helmets all around, except one area where they were going to drive you and had all the paddy wagons. And they started shooting tear gas at us. The good news is I was in college. I was a long-distance track runner. I run like the wind. And let me tell you, if you get tear gas coming at you, you can run even faster.
1: No, I, I, I never knew that about you, my friend, that, you know, that's not even like you, though. That's not even <laughs> like you. And But that's like the fact that we all have a history. We all have a story. You know, I remember years ago as a, as a young boy, I was similar, but not quite. But I was going to the store to get a soda after playing on the park, and I end up having a sign, a picket sign in my hand. We were picketing the local red and white. In South Carolina, you had basically two, two grocery stores. In Charleston, you had Piggly Wiggly's. You probably heard of that before. Oh, yeah. And red and white. So we're picketing red and white because the red and white was in the African-American community, but it wouldn't allow African-Americans to work there. So I'm going to get a soda. Next thing I know, someone say, like, oh, Dale, you want to be part of it? Yeah, me and my little buddies, we got signs. And we're marching and we picketed all that day. The next one, we picketed. And then eventually they did. Uh, hire Solomon Coles. I remember that he was the first black person ever hired at the Red and White. Man, you couldn't tell us nothing. We had a black person with a job, and all of a sudden, you had eighty-something percent of the black people who were going to the store. But I didn't get shot at. It wasn't no tear gas or anything like that.
2: You were it radical.
1: Yeah. Oh man, uh, it's just it's just <laughs> interesting. Just a young kid who just happened to be somewhere and someone says, don't you, you know, don't you want to do this? And don't. And yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And that's what God gives us grace and mercy, because sometimes God's grace and mercy will protect us even against ourselves. What would have happened if you would have got hurt or killed in Grant Park? What are you doing in Grant Park? It's like, what's what's, what's little Billy even doing there? Oh, Odell got shot uh, protesting, what's Odell even doing there, Bill? So sometimes, as Christians, we know the enemy's trying to destroy us, and we understand that the enemy doesn't want you and I to sit here and talk to each other about race. Because Bill, a lot of times when we went on this journey to Georgia and Alabama, I could be get angry at white people because of what happened. But the Holy Spirit will arrest me and like, but that's not what I have you to do to get angry. I have you to be the bridge. The bridge. You have to be the bridge. We have enough people out here who's angry and
2: upset and mad and pointing fingers. But Bill, you and I are the bridge. Amen. How did Amen. we get to be the bridge? I don't know. God did it. God did it. And what you know, it's interesting? If you would have gotten if you would have been in my life five years ago, mm-hmm. ten years ago, yeah. this wouldn't have happened. What? God, God the good-looking has, black
1: guy went no, Bill, come on now. I
2: wasn't ready for it. Wow, wow. I wasn't ready for it. God wow. has put me on this journey with you, and that's how I got where I'm at. But when I first met
1: you, you were just always so nice and so opening. So, Bill, the good-looking black guy was an experiment through Jesus Christ when you first met
2: me. No, it was no catch and release. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing any catch and release. You know what that means? Yeah, go fishing exactly. and release them. I'm, no, I'm going to keep you. The, uh, hey, I want to tell you one story about. Uh, I took this thing called Other Voices, and uh, we did three days of uh, racial. Right. And uh, we heard a lot of different things, uh, but one thing that really stuck with me was the Underground Railroad tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had a fella take us to it. It's it's near Guilford College, and we walked over. And on the way, he started talking about the history of it. And uh, so we we started walking through the woods, and it's it's still there. It's a huge, huge tree. And uh, and I asked him. I said uh, as he was telling a story. So what would be a good book to read mm-hmm. about this? Because I I wanted to learn about it. And he said The Road to Cana, mm. the history of the Underground Railroad. So I bought that and I read it, and it was interesting because it gave you the historical. Reason why that tree was so significant, and why the Quakers in Greensboro were so significant, and why the Underground Railroad was so significant. Turns out, the main road from it from Maryland to Atlanta, where they would sell the slaves, ran right through New Garden
1: uh-huh.
2: uh, in Greensboro, and uh, and so the Quakers would stop. They would stop the, They would chain these fellows up, and buy the next legs and arms, mm-hmm. and march them down to be sold.
1: These and fellas being slaves, slaves. Yes. my ancestors. Yes. Gotcha. And
2: many times their families were following them mm-hmm. because they were kidnapped sometimes. Uh-huh. So the Quakers would sit down and feed them and feed the slave drivers. And they would ask them questions, you know, tell us your story. And they would also teach them how to find the Underground Railroad. Wow! And they would tell them, you know, go at night, travel only at night. And they showed them the North Star. Mm -hmm. and follow the North Star. Now, when you come to a fork in the road, how would you know which way to go? And they said, well, we put nails on trees. Just feel around with the nails, Mm. and that's the direction you go. Women would put quilts out, which give you some hints. But when you sleep during the day, get at least as far away from the road as you can because there'll be dogs and people hunting you. And this underground railroad tree was about a mile off the road. So every night, the Quakers would go to this tree, and there would be... Runaways, mm-hmm. and they would take them. And there was a a free black community on near Target, over where Aha is. Right. And there's about 600 black families there, and they would hide them there.
1: Off of Gilford College Road. Yeah,
2: off Gilford okay. College Road. And then they would hide them. Also, these guys had like 1,700 acres, so they put them out working in the fields. So while we were there, the fellow who took us sang a song, mm. and the song was the song the slaves sang as they were being marched. And we're going to play that for you right now.
0: Walk with me, hold my hand, Lord, hold my hand, hold my hand, Lord, hold my hand, while I'm on my tedious journey. Walk with me, Lord.
2: How do we get ready to have relationships with each other? I prayed that God would bring someone into my life that would help me understand the relationship, the race relations, a different culture, a different viewpoint. And he not only brought you into my life, but he brought us going to civil rights trip, us going to Israel, and it all happened over Christmas trees. And I'm
1: sitting around and thinking, when did the transformation happen for me when I was willing to step out there and embrace a white Christian brother and trust God in that relationship? Because it's it's stepping out on faith, because a lot of the lessons we learned on grandma's porch. However, sometimes grandma had her or grandfather had his own opinion on race. And we learned so much about race and race relations on
2: grandma's porch. Amen. I learned it from my family. Different what I had today, brother.
1: And I thank God for changing both of our hearts. Not that it's easy, but it's the right thing to do. And we thank God for you. And I thank God that I met you when the time is right, because I would hate to have lost this beautiful friendship because it wasn't the right timing. Something about God's timing. Just something about
2: God's timing. Amen. Love you, brother. Love you too. Amen. Amen.
0: Find Bill and Odell online at the thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group, Darren Sutherland, Executive Producer, Jeremy Powell, Creative Director, Jacob Sutherland, Director, All Rights Reserved. This podcast is proudly sponsored by...